0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: Folks, we're going through a series through 2 Peter, and we've entitled the series, Faith in a Hostile World. Now, some of you would immediately say, well, you know, yeah, George, this is a hostile world, hostile world to Christianity and all the stuff that's going on out on the outside and politics or whatever in a culture. That's not what I'm talking about. Your faith is not challenged by what goes on in society or where the culture goes. Do you understand? So how can you say that? Well, if you look at where the church started in the culture that it was in, folks, by far, it was a polytheistic, anti-God society then, and they flourished. Didn't matter what Caesar wanted or whatever. They flourished. So you say, well, well, then what's the threats to my faith? Well, there's actually three threats. Some of them you might be actually surprised by. The first threat, we see all that in chapter 1, is the ignorance of your salvation. That's the greatest threat to your life right now as a believer, is the ignorance of your salvation and what that means for you and what you need to do with it. The second threat is false teachers. Because they come along and confuse you about salvation. They add to the message. And that's what we've been looking at here in chapter 2. The third threat, which we'll look at in a few weeks, has to do with a misunderstanding of your hope in Christ and his return. And we'll look at that later. But those are the three major threats to your faith. If the enemy can get to you through those three things, he incapacitates you. doesn't matter what's going on outside the world. He destroys you from the inside. And so we've been going into chapter 2 now, looking at this threat of false teachers. Now, remember, he mentioned false teachers last week. He talked about them being eloquent speakers. He also says very clearly in verse 3, we're going to look at it here in verse 3 in a moment, he talks about that their judgment is sure. Now, he does something that I think is very interesting in the passage. After he says that their judgment is sure, he kind of goes off on a rabbit trail. You ever had a conversation with somebody and they go off on a rabbit trail? You might be talking about the Steelers. Oh, Ben's out, his elbow's hurt. And then as soon as you talk about his elbow, then they talk about their elbow and their arthritis and how they're handling the arthritis. And you're like, I thought we were talking about Ben. Now we're talking about you, right? Have you done that? It's called a rabbit trail, right? Kind of fits in with what you're talking about, only all of Pennsylvania is in mourning because of your elbow, right? But Peter's doing the same thing here. He's doing the same thing because he wants to, first of all, do a couple of things here. He wants to talk about the surety of God's judgment, because you might be thinking, yeah, false teachers are going to get theirs, right? When's that going to happen? And he also wants to talk about you in the midst of this world, something that you need to be reminded of. What I want us to see as we begin why this is relevant is the fact that, first of all, we have a struggle. We've kind of reflected on it a little bit today, sharing about we don't live in a nice world. We live in a world where difficult, tragic things happen, evil happens. So I want to make two points here so that we understand what Peter is getting ready to tell us here. First of all, we tend to be overwhelmed by the evil in our world. We tend to be overwhelmed by the evil in our world. And I'm not just talking about the news. Okay, The news in itself has enough evil to share with you. Stuff going on in the Middle East, stuff going on in China, stuff going on in, in South America, stuff going on across the... Even the United States, some tragic thing happening there. I'm talking about the stuff that happens right here in your very own community. You and I are exposed to evil every day right here in our own community. What do you mean evil in our own community? You are exposed to people that you wonder, when are they going to get theirs? Why do they always seem to get away with stuff? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe there are people at work. People that are your neighbors and they're just getting away with stuff all the time and you're like wondering, how do I function here with the tragedies that are happening perpetuated by people that just seem to get away with it? Do you know what I'm saying? It just doesn't have to be the stuff you see on the news. It's the stuff that's happening right around you, right? And you get overwhelmed with that, especially as a believer. You're like, Jesus, when are you coming back? What are you going to deal with this? How are you going to deal with this? So we tend to be overwhelmed by the evil in our world. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We find ourselves questioning where God is. Now, we don't want to admit that. You know, we're Christians. It's not the kind of thing you would walk into church and say, you well, know, I'm wondering where God is. Nobody says that when they walk in. But we do that. We see the evil or we go through evil or we go through pain and And immediately the questions are there, and the questions are natural. Scripture records for us that the questions are natural. Like, for instance, you go to John chapter 11, and you have the story of Lazarus being raised up. Well, right before the story of Lazarus being raised up, when Jesus comes to Bethany, Martha meets him. First thing out of her mouth is, Jesus, if you'd been here, he would not be dead she's asking a question and you and I we, 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 we are inundated all the day long about tragic things that are happening in our lives tragic things that are happening around us and you can't help but ask what questions God, are you there are you gonna take care of this? are you letting them get away with that Lord? Why why did that happen? Those, Those are natural questions. Now, I want you to hear me. It's okay to question. I'm going to tell you right now, it's okay to question. It's all part of the process of your faith. Questions aren't bad, especially if you wrestle with God with them. Do you understand? He always brings you through it. And this is kind of like what we're seeing going on here with this issue. Because I said, remember, the second threat to your faith is false teachers. And folks, we're inundated with false teachers in this world today, aren't we? And I'm not just talking about Jehovah's Witnesses, and I'm not talking about Mormons. I'm talking about people who call themselves believers. And the reality is, how do you, how do you deal with that? It seems like they're just getting away with it. They're duping people. They're, making people wrong in their thinking, they're bleeding people to hell. How do you deal with that? Well, that's why he gets off on this rabbit trail. So I want you to notice with me. Let's start, first of all, in verse 3. Second Peter Peter 2. He's talking about false teachers, but then he gets to this rabbit trail. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. Here it is. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterwards would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of, of temptation, and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. All right, let's take a look at this. We're going to see three sections here, okay? Three sections are going to talk to us about hanging on, all right? Here's the first one. We're going to see the complaint. We're going to say, what do you mean the complaint? I didn't read a complaint. Well, it's insinuated in verse 3. Look at what he says in verse 3. He says, For a long time their judgment is not idle, their destruction does not slumber. This is the complaint that he's answering here. Because among the believers, they're thinking God's being idle in his judgment, or number two, God's sleeping in his judgment. That's the complaint, and he's answering it here. So I'm going to bring up these two points here I want you to see. First of all, the complaint is is that God's idle concerning his dealings with evil. It's a natural thing to assume that. Life goes on. One evil thing happens after another, and though evil men are dealt with, other evil men rise up. You're at work, and you've got somebody there that is the enemy of your soul at work, and you're like wondering, God, when are you ever going to deal with this guy? When am I ever going to have relief here? And you're like wondering, God, when are you going to deal with this? You said you would deal with this. And so the concept is, well, God's just idle. God's not dealing with this. Because we like to see things happen when, folks? Now. And we long for the days of when the drive-thru gave you your order when you ordered it. Now they have these special lanes at McDonald's. Because they're not on time anymore, right? We don't know how to handle that. We get angry. Because we want it now. We want God to answer evil now. So he's idle. That's the complaint. Here's the second complaint. God is oblivious to the evil in our world. He's sleeping. God, do you know what's going on? Have you ever prayed that kind of prayer? I pray that prayer all the time. Lord, don't you know what's going on? Folks, he knows what's going on. But our tendency is to think that he's not aware. Because we see tragic things happen. We see evil happen continually. Well, here is how Peter answers it. That's the final two sections. First one we're going to see is this, is that judgment is certain. Judgment is certain. We see that in verses 48. Now, here's what he does in verses 48. He wants you to understand the certainty of God's judgment in that God, he shows how God has already executed judgment in history on three different occasions. The first one is with some unknown incident with a group of angels who did something in the beginning, probably when they fell with Satan, and this group of angels were immediately cast into hell as judgment. So God executed judgment. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to what it is. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, the scripture doesn't tell you what it is. It's just speculation. But the fact is, what you need to know is, is that God immediately judged a group of angels, evil angels, cast them into hell. All right? Second one. We all know this one, the flood. That's the second group that he dealt with here. He dealt with those who died in the flood. We understand that? And the third one, we understand as well, Sodom and Gomorrah who engaged in wickedness. Now, immediately in our mind, we we think of the sin of homosexuality. Folks, that was not the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's mentioned in Genesis. You say, what do you mean it's not the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? If you go to the major prophets, and I think it's particular Ezekiel, it mentions that the sin that caused judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, are you ready for this? Materialism materialism. We say, I thought it was homosexuality. Homosexuality, if you follow the pattern that is listed in Romans chapter one, verses 18 through the end of the chapter, is a result of the materialism, where people do no longer need God, they're self-sufficient, they think they're smart, and then they degenerate off into their own lusts. And so he executes judgment there. And through these three examples, he wants to show you and I that he is going to deal with the evil in this world. So I want to make a couple of points here. Here's the first one. No one is exempt from God's judgment. No one is exempt. You say, well, wait a minute, George. You know, I remember this guy. He was a scoundrel. He did everyone wrong. Nothing ever happened to him. Then he died. Where's the justice in that? Justice doesn't happen in your time. And men don't answer to us. They answer to the living God. Do you understand? No one is exempt from the judgment. In fact, it's very clear in the passage he starts out with angels, they're not exempt. He starts out with the, with the other part of creative order. We're part of creative order as humanity, but he also created angelic beings, and he shows that he judges them as well. And guess what? They were immediately sent to hell. No one is exempt. I think we need to grasp that. sometime. that's even true for a believer. What? I thought I'm saved. I'm okay. I'm not talking about you going to hell. But God still brings judgment in our lives as well. What do you mean? Well, you know what? I was a part of the, I'm still a part of the cannon clan. And when I did wrong, my daddy didn't say, you're out of the clan. Now he did threaten to send me to North Carolina to work in a tobacco field with my cousins to teach me a lesson. Thankfully that never happened. Prime and tobacco in the summer. Holy cow. I'm glad I never had to do that. But what? He disciplined me, right? And, and and we do the same thing with our kids, right? You don't cast them out. You discipline them. It's the same thing. We're a part of God's family. We're saved. But when you do wrong, he what, folks? Sends you to the tobacco field. No. He disciplines you, he chastises you. He scourges, scripture says, every son that he loves and every daughter as well, ladies, okay? No one is exempt. Now here's the wonderful thing when you look at this passage, everyone experiences judgment, but there's something else in this passage. Let me let me read it to you and then I'll give you the point, okay? Let's go down. Look with me at 2nd Peter Look at what he says, verse 5, and did not spare the ancient world, but, notice that word but, saved Noah, one of eight people. All right? But saved Noah, one of eight people. Then go on, verse 7, and delivered righteous Lot. What? From the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. So here's what I want you to see. The reality is, is that for humanity, there's the possibility of grace. Now, that wasn't true for the angels. Did you notice that? They did whatever they did, and it doesn't tell us what they did, but it was so bad that what they did, God what? Cast them immediately into hell. Here's what I want you to see. For us, even though he executes judgment on the wicked, there is what for his children? Grace. Grace. Isn't that awesome? Some of you need to hear that. Because, listen, when we look at what's going on in our world, we feel, here's the big word, we feel abandoned. You know what I mean by that? When the doctor gives you a prognosis, and you're like, how am I going to overcome that one? You can't help but feel helpless. Helpless. And the illustration here from God's word is that he gives grace. He spares. He reaches out. Then I want you to see what he says in verse 9. Because this is where it comes out of this whole issue of grace. The Lord's strength. Because this is what we forget. Okay? Okay? Look at what he says, starting in verse 7, "...and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his soul day, from day to day by the seeing and hearing of their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment." Here's what I want you to see about the Lord's strength, Okay. Here's the point. God is able to keep his children in this evil world. Do you hear me? God is able to keep his children in this evil world. Well, nobody's oppressing me right now, George. Nobody's oppressing me. Yeah, but you're being oppressed may not be by a human being, but you're being oppressed by what? The temptations of this world around you. I don't think anybody can hear, if you are even in tune to life, does not get tempted by something. Does not get tempted to evil in some way. Why do you think that every checkout lane, even the self-checkout lane, is just loaded down with all kinds of goodies that are bite-sized for you to buy, right? What is that appealing to? your desires. Now, some of you are saying, I can handle that. Then the rest of us would say, but we can't, because it's not good for our health. But see, here's the reality. The reality is, is that you and I live in worlds where we, in a world where we are constantly, constantly being attacked by this evil world, Wanting to lead us in wrong directions, and you feel abandoned. Think about the last time you struggled with your sin. How alone you felt. You feel alone, right? You even offer up prayers God help me! How can I endure? Peter is coming along and telling you, you know what, God's judgment is certain. He's going to deal with the wicked. He's going to deal with what's going on wrong in this world. But in the meantime, you have to live here. This is where you have to be. But I'm not leaving you alone. And I'm strong enough to keep you here. And, And I'm not saying keep you in your problem. I mean keep you where you are okay in the midst of whatever else is going on around you. He's able to keep his children in this evil world. He's going to watch over you. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you strength. you understand? He's going to provide for you. He's not going to necessarily give you everything you need, want, but he'll give you what you need. Uh, he even defines what your need is. You might be saying there, well, you know, I'd like a T-bone steak, but he says you have venison. Now some of you say, oh, I'd rather have venison. No, no. Maybe he gives you spam. Okay? Well, I like spam. No, no, the point is, he gives you what you need to carry you through. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, I've just got to be honest with you. i got to be constantly reminded of that. I have to be constantly reminded that he's able to keep me. and i just got to keep plugging on. Why do you think Revelation says over and over, especially in the to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, I will give this. Overcoming is a theme throughout the book of Revelation about enduring to the end. The Lord's strength. The Lord is able to keep his children in this evil world. Here's the second thing you need to understand about his strength. Well, let me, let me back up. There's a verse I want to give you. If you want to know about handling it and the strength he gives you, 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has overtaken you except such that is common to man, but God is faithful. All right, stop for a moment. Everybody hear that? God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's a promise, folks. He keeps his children. But again, remember, we feel abandoned, we feel alone, we wonder where he is. Is he going to deal with this stuff? He makes another point here. Look at the last part of verse 9. He says this. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and then here it is, and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Here's what I want you to see. The Lord ensures that the wicked will be judged. The Lord ensures that the wicked will be judged. May not happen in your time, may not happen when you want to see it happen, but folks, I'm going to tell you right now, everybody's got to answer. And there is a day of reckoning coming. And notice how he describes them. He notice how he describes. I, th- I thought this is interesting because you could just blow by this if you read this verse. Look at what it says there, verse 10. He says, and to reserve the unjust. Notice that next phrase. Under judgment. What is he talking about there, George? Well, here's what he's saying. They're already sentenced. They're just waiting. The judgment day. They're already under judgment. Do you understand? It's just a question of time. And they go to be. See, here's the thing. When you die, you wake up, you wake up in one of two places, folks. You wake up if you know the Lord. To be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. But what does it also say? for it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And some will open their eyes and see Jesus, and they will be excited. And some will open their eyes, like Paul says, and they'll see terror, because they'll see the judge, the great judge, Jesus. So hang in there. Hang in there. So let me give you two thoughts to work with, okay? Number one, look beyond the current circumstances to the God who's in control. See, that's what we do. We get focused on what this wrong person's doing, what this evil is that's happened to me, and we get focused on all of that stuff. Here's what we're doing. When we focus on all that stuff, we've taken our eyes off of God. And he is the one who's in control. And you need to have your eyes on who, folks? The Lord. Because he will keep you. Do you understand? That day in the future, whenever it may be, when I cross over to be with him, I'm not going to be like high-fiving myself, wow, I made it. I'm going to be like, thank you, Jesus, for bringing me here for carrying me this way. Because if I didn't have you, I couldn't have done it. Didn't you understand? Look to the Lord. Here's the second one. Patiently endure as you wait for the time of reckoning. Patiently Endure. That's what we're called. We're called for patience. In fact, I'm thinking about that in Revelation. It it has a picture of the martyrs calling out from under the altar, saying, How long, Lord? How long before you execute vengeance for us? And they are told, Wait. Be patient. Wait. Judgment's coming. Just be patient. Several times that happens in the book of Revelation. Just be patient. Same thing with you. Just be patient.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street,